If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The Four Blades in the pub here, and uh, we're sat in a very joyous mood after, well, a very unexpected win last night against Aston Villa. I'm John, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dan. Evening, everyone. Uh, Phil. Good evening. Ian. Good evening. Ian is in a good mood. And, <laughs> yeah, um, we maybe have been, um, we've, we've gone away from the narrative that Wilder himself set um, many moons ago of not getting too high when we win and not getting too low when we uh, lose. But unfortunately, uh, we've not had the opportunity to get too high when we win much this season. So it's with great pleasure that we could talk about last night's game uh, in such a positive vein. So I'll start with you, Phil, because before we came on and started recording, your opening gambit about how the game had gone seemed to be... Um, Seemed to be quite in praise of what went off last night. Oh, massively, yeah. I think from minute one, I think Wilder just got it right. I think from his from his selection, um, although he didn't have a lot to choose between, but um, the, the way we set out, the way that we, we tried to contain Villa to a large degree, let them have the ball kind of outside our, our kind of a, our defensive third and, and attack them quickly and, and sort of on, on the break almost. I just think, I think he got it right from minute one after the red card. I think the change was right to put Burke on last 10 minutes or last five minutes to take him off again was the right thing to do for the right reasons. Not necessarily that, although he, he, he did just stop playing at one point. He didn't do a great deal wrong. I just thought him coming off from McBurney was the right thing to do at that moment in time. But Bernie ended up at centre half. But yeah, I just thought it, I, I, that was one of those games yesterday that the lane had have been absolutely rocking if we'd have been there at, at the final whistle. It would have been such a good atmosphere. I agree with everything you've just said there, Phil and, and Ian. With the players that that were in the starting eleven before kick off, was there anyone that raised an eyebrow with you? Um, I don't know. Raised an eyebrow. It was good to see see Bruce to start, and you know. To see us have what four striking options on the bench, you know, it's not a while since we've had, and I'm not saying they were all fit enough to come on, but it's a while since we've had that depth to be able to to have that and have those options. We've got little choice in midfield. I think the midfield <laughs> kind of picks itself at the minute, as frustrating as certainly one player in that midfield has has been. Um. So no, I don't think any surprises for me. I just I think we are limited by what we've got. We're even more limited now, obviously going in into the weekend, Saturday's game. But no, I, I was I was happy enough with the lineup. Um, I, I I still have got that doubt about how Brewster fits into the way we play, and unless dropping a level means we become that bit more creative, you know, one one snapshot aside, he didn't do a great deal. But that's that's I'm not going to sit here and moan about you know what fundamentally was a Blades-like performance. And like Phil said, come the end of the game, that place, that Blades had been rocking, that last 10 minutes and the noise 
of getting behind them and the way they were back to the wall defending and blocking and everything was just something that it showed some fight that I just it bothers me we haven't seen enough of that this season at times Strange that it, we seem to discover it <clears throat> after a, a couple of games which were almost you know like the nail in the coffin if you will and then in a side who I did I knew Villa had had a very good season but I didn't realise how good their away record was so it almost makes it an even more impressive three points come the end of the game Dan you were unable to uh, unable to watch it due to BT and Sky and various things weren't you yeah didn't, I, didn't actually realise until 20 minutes in when I turned on, having walked the dog and moved the tea, that we were actually on BT rather than Sky. Sat down to watch it and went, ah. So I just obviously watched it via the medium of Twitter and the WhatsApp group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I can't really really comment on last night per se. Um, just picking back upon what you just said, though, Ian. I know Wilder's made a statement this week on the part of his interview when he said he doesn't think there's been much difference in the kind of performance levels and what we've done this season to last. It's just been basically both boxes. You know, we've not taken the chances that we had that we did last season and we've made more errors than last season. But I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure I've I've kind of go along with that. I think the performance levels have been significantly lower this season than last in terms of energy and how you know how hard we work and how we get around teams and how we snap into tackles and how we hunt in packs. I, I think there's been a drop off this season to last. I think the commitment last night was at the level that it's not been. I'd argue it was there when we dropped points at the beginning of the season in some games. I think about Leeds at home being an example of a game we played well in where we committed in and things, but then it went against us. But not that. Like since Christmas, there's a there's a plethora of examples where it's not there. But then we're trying to stay positive to an extent. And last night, very much um, evident that the players were playing for the badge, as, as, as the cheesy phrase goes. And I think it's really important. There's some obvious performances to talk about. I think some players have had a lot of grief. Norwood, Stevens, at times Ampadu all put in the sort of solid, although they weren't the best players on the pitch, but they were the, they put in the seven out of tens, which they haven't been able to do for us. For I don't know about Norwood, John. I thought Norwood was outstanding last night. I, I thought from, from, from his passing to his breaking play up, he was winning headers in our box at time. I thought Norwood, that's as good as I've seen him this season. That well, there, there was a very good block from, I think it was, that led to a Triore chance. And then actually Brian, who was my man of the match, got caught in a bit of no man's land dealing with. But the point is a lot of the players who've had pelters, Phil. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, I just I was I just I wanted yeah. to defend Norwood a little bit because I thought he was very, very good last night. I mean, I'll I'll stick up for Norwood until the cows come home. And and I think the pot the, the beauty of it was People and I've said the phrase in the group chat earlier this week. The problem's not when Norwood's got the ball; it's when he's not got the ball. That's when the problem oh, yeah. started. But he got that part of his game right last night, and uh, and it was really, really great to see. But you go. Can I, can I put a different spin on what you were saying just now, Dan, about um, Wilder's interview and, and him alluding to this season not being that much different to last season? Could he have been referring to we weren't as good as what we remember last season? And there were times where we probably rode our luck a little bit and weren't as good as what we perhaps thinking back now think we were. 
and won games we probably didn't deserve. And this season, we've just not picked those points up that we were doing last year, despite the performance levels. I think there's a bit of that. There's definitely been a drop-off in some games this season. I'm not saying there hasn't. But there's games, I think, back to that we won last year that we weren't actually very good in. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, 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 could have been. I, I, think that's, I think that's a point well made, Phil. Uh, but... Is he getting at more the fact that we're a long way behind the rest of the division and it's it's just those little things that's changed from last season as opposed to we're drastically worse. We just weren't that good last season. We were just things were going our way more. Well, I can think of games we won where we definitely deserved nothing. Uh, well, not we did definitely didn't deserve things from West Ham at home, to be honest. Uh, Palace away. We, that was one of the worst games of football I've ever been to, apart from the fact that I had a skin full of beer and we were singing the Sander Berger song. The actual performance on the pitch was dreadful. Scored. Some of the back end of last season, before the lockdown was really, Brighton at home was pretty poor. Bournemouth at home wasn't Bournemouth, great. Bournemouth, yeah. I remember, I remember Bournemouth at home because we, Dan, you, you got very excited when you found out Alan Wilson had a Twitter account. <laughs> little celebration. And if, the, like the Brighton game I actually thought that it was similar to the Brighton away game last season it was hard it, like then we struggled because they were everything we, we weren't in the final third and that's big strong physical whereas we're not really that our more our biggest aerial threat is probably a better footballer than he is uh, using his head but I think I think just, just on that point I think you I think Phil you've probably got a point there in that if we think about what Wilder's positioning is at the minute with the media, with the messages that are getting out there, he's making his play that he's not been backed and he needed to get backed because we haven't got the quality. And I think that ties into that because that's him saying, yeah, we, we got those margins last year, but we can't keep on relying on margins forever. So I, I think, think that's exactly what he was doing. I think it was a, it was a veiled dig without actually having a dig. Hmm. But, and and it, it does make you think. I do feel like the form in January was was possibly good enough to, if there was the right recruitment to be made. It, but then at the same time, you know, it, money, you, January traditionally never offers value for money, does it? And I think that will have been behind a lot of the logic in, in, in people above thought process. Would we have been better if we'd got a decent quality defender in and a creative midfielder? Yeah. But, you know, without sounding all bloody cliched, one gets hit by a bus or breaks his leg or something. You know, like, he, he, there's no guarantees. But to, to focus back a little bit on some individual performances, um, Keen Bryan, I mean, when I when I spoke about him, it's not that I dislike the kid. Every time he's flirted with the pre-season he looks a very good footballer but nobody's ever going to establish themselves particularly playing at a level that's clearly above where they've played before and that's been the case for Brian since he's been with us without getting a run of games and I think Brian's an example of if you were if you've come through at the top level like he did at Man City the more you more these players play football that that sort of uh, mystical idea that 
the top flights unachievable for all these players. Like we proved last season with the way a lot of our players outperformed multi-million pound players. You start to see that there is actually a quality football football there who stayed at one of the top clubs in the country till he's 20-odd. And I thought Keen Bryan was really, really good. In terms of a centre-back, I think when he's in a one-on-one situation with someone running at him, and he had Triore last night, so it's no mug, he's, he's, as, he's nearly as good a one-on-one defender we've got as apart from O'Connell, he stands up people fantastically and he does, he's not rash with the tackle. In the air, I don't think he's as good. But yeah, I thought Brian was outstanding. Brian, as, a, as a player, in the in the history, that, well, in the time we've all been watching that, has a player ever come from more of a wilderness to, 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 to kind of establish himself and, and to kind of turn people's opinions around more than Keen Brian has? I guess Kieran Freeman to a degree. But, I'm yeah, sure because no one... No, yeah, possibly, but everyone knew there was a decent player in there, didn't they? Because he'd yeah, done well yeah. for us before, he'd just fallen out of favour. I think they were, Brian's, Brian's basically gone from someone who people would have happily, happily given a free transfer to no one rated to suddenly people are saying he's a decent player, you know, might be worth a contract. He's been at the club, we've done this discussion last night, three years nearly, will have been, because he came in the summer we got promoted. It'll be his third season, morning. Yeah, and in that time, we've all seen it before this season, seen him what in the pre-season friendlies and then be absolutely crap in the cup games he's played. But if you're not playing first-team football or playing football generally, because obviously the traditional reserves, as they were, you very like Moose when he got injured in the under-23s the other night and went off, very rarely does a first-team player play for the under-23s. Now, I'm sure there are behind-closed-doors games go off all the time, but I think it's strange that he's been at the club so long, not made any appearances. Like, think back to when he first played this season against West Brom. Everyone was like, what the crying up? What's going on here? Why is Keane Brown starting for United in the Premier League? And now, if you were to say, oh... Brian's playing, ooh, bomb scare. You'd be like, people would be like, well, he's been probably our best defender for the last couple of weeks. He's, he's, he's such a, he's weird. He's coming, it's not just, you know, gaining favour with the fans, like you say, Dan, it's coming in from the obscurity that he has. I can't think of one player who's done that in recent years. It never, it never happens. He's one of those signings that's usually made, oh, he's not as good as we thought, let's move him on after a year, two years. Um, I think it's only right, Phil, having defended and stuck up for him and being a big member of the Keepers' Union that we like you talk a little bit about Aaron Ramsdale. And you said many weeks ago now, when we beat Man United, which is a great sentence to say, and I don't think I'll ever get bored of saying, but when we beat Man United, you said you could see a moment in that game where something changed. And it sounds like something out of a, you know, a work of fiction, but it really has. It's so much a goalkeeping's confidence. I guess any footballer really, but so much so much of it is confidence because you're the last line. And what what you're referring to then was a particular save, and I can remember saying it. I can remember the save against Man United where he just caught it clean, and it was just like those sort of catches can just change something in your mind. And ever since then, he looks assured every time he comes out for the ball, although he didn't pop that night, which can happen. Um, 
everything about his game looks better. He looks more confident with the ball at his feet. He even chipped the ball over, was it over Ollie Watkins when Jagielka uh, sold him short last night? Um, the save he made late on from, who was that from the defense? Was it Konza? Who yeah. should never have had any right to get that ball, let alone get a shot away. But the save he made was just pure reactions, brilliant goalkeeping. And I know he's had some stick and he's deserved some of it. I think he's, a lot of it's been undeserved as well. But I, I genuinely think there's a there's an argument that he's been our player of the year. And it wouldn't surprise me if he won awards this season. Genuinely wouldn't. He's not he's not with that, he's, but he's not done anything wrong in any uh, He's not had a bad game. In fact, he's had a good game since Christmas. Every game, I would say, since Christmas, he's he's been he's had a good game. I put I put something on Twitter, and it might I think it might have been after the Liverpool game. But I said Ramsdale is showing now what he's capable of, and he's got a longer term future. And I said it, it makes you wonder if the mistakes he made at the start of the season have been made with the crowd in, and the crowd get twitchy, and the crowd get on his back, and the crowd get nervous whether we'd be seeing the Ramsdale we're seeing now, maybe actually playing behind closed doors has done him a favour these first few months. Um, I got a reply from Brownie, who we know knows the gaffer and, you know, so on. And he says, no, nah, he'd love it. He'd love that. He'd feed off that reaction and it would have, it might have got him through it quicker. It's, it's interesting. Either way, I, I, I think he's, he's, He's showing his showing his some of his value now. I think there's some some people are still dismissive of him when I said it at the time. It's as if he's never going to carry favour with them. And I just for me, it's just like one of the players that. said something the other day, and I can't remember who it was in an interview. I, I think it was one of the players anyway. That it's as if opinions have been made before a ball's been kicked about some players already. And and some people have got that with with Ramsdale now, and I don't think they'll ever not have it because they they're, they're sticking to the guns on it, and that's just the way it is. Some players are. Always going to be that scapegoat, but I'd, I'd, he's what is he? Twenty one, twenty two. Young, still young for a goalkeeper. He's going. He's doing everything right right now. Can only be good for us. I saw something the other day that West Ham had been linked with. Him. Yeah, that'd be interesting come the summer if, if we did get a bid for him. Whether we'd want to lose him or not, be interesting. I mean, the the only thing about that is, it's the ne- one of the next logical areas for them to improve, but. Fabianski's not ancient he's not old he's not ancient and he's a decent ironically I think the level Fabianski plays at is probably like Ramsdale's ceiling as a professional like he's solid goalkeeper. but like I don't know depends That's, that'd be an interesting discussion if someone said oh you, you can like 25 million quid comes in for Ramsdale you'd It'd be, nice to see, it'd be nice to see West Ham get relegated. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing, isn't it? You've got a, that. That surely that'd be what to get rid of him. Wasn't it a five-year deal he signed? Yeah, a long deal, long contract. I've got to say, I know. Obviously, I'll I'll talk about goalkeepers all day. I, I do like talking about Ramsdale because I think it's an interesting sort of conundrum we've had this season. But I've given Ethan Ampadu a lot of stick this season. A lot of it's been justified. Last night, he was outstanding. Some of the blocks that he put in, some of the challenges he made, and especially when we went to four four or four four one as it was, him and him and Brian together showed he showed why he's so highly rated. I think it proves to me even more that he's not a midfielder; he's an out and out defender. But 
if he can cut the silly mistakes and the soft little challenges he tries to make sometimes out of his game, I think he could have a pretty good career playing like that. Also, as a right-hand-sided centre-half, you know, he probably looks more comfortable, doesn't he? Because he's, yeah. he is, I, I always, I used to get him on Football Manager a few years ago and he was left-footed on that when he was like 17. So I presume we were left-footed when we signed him, but apparently... Well, he's not. Is he? Um, I, I think, like you said, Phil, he needs to he needs to do the basics more consistently. So there's times where he needs to realise, as much as it'd be nice if he could just nick the ball away and stride out with it. There's times where he needs to just think. He needs to bust it. You know, he needs to be a proper centre half and just go through. You know, whether it's a block tackle or a 50-50 or just a clearance. You can't look can't look pretty all the time, can you? No, there's a place, there's a time and a place to do it, and on the edge of your own box is the wrong time. On the edge of your own box in a relegation dogfight, even though we're not. He needs to get out of his head. He's got a long throw, though, because he absolutely hasn't. I don't know where that's come from. He's got the, has he, he's got the, the shortest long throw I've <laughs> ever seen. Even even Chris Sutton commented on it last night. Was it last night? He said, Here comes a long throw. That's the worst and shortest long throw I've ever seen. I think that was during the Liverpool game, wasn't it? That was it. I think, Honestly, I think, it's, it's great when you get a long throw and you have actually got like a, a Lee Bromby or Lee Bromby or a, a Greg Alford or something like that, and everyone goes like. But then when someone runs, it's not as if it's a forward taking it. When they run sixty yards to take a throw in, and everyone goes, "Here we go! This is going to, you know, he's going to hit penalty spot here." And it drops just short at box, and you go, oh. <laughs> "Well, that was worth it." <laughs> was your journey really necessary? I mean. Ian, you touched on it earlier. Um, somebody whose performances have been really disappointing over the last month or so. And I don't know if we just do be critical, but I do think that John Lundstrom's lucky we've not got a decent squad to be getting minutes in the Premier League. The performances he's putting in. Um, I don't. People talk about you know. It, I think it almost annoys me more that he did an interview the other week claiming that everyone can see that his desire is still there. And I... I the, the, the speed in which he... Um, speed in which he moves the ball makes my efficiency of getting to my point on a podcast look rapid, right? He is absolutely... He, some of his decision-making, and particularly the one I've noticed happening... Five, six times a game, he's often, there's an inside on into Norwood when he wins it in a wide area. Straight across the pitch, but he never looks inside. He's always looking to try and play a Hollywood ball through, and then he gets marks on and plays it back to the centre-half and starts shouting at people. It's like James Harper levels. Not waving his arms around as much. Harper did was run around and point but Lundstrom just run it, he's got this habit I think it was last I, I, I might have put some on one of the WhatsApp groups last night there was a point last night where he actually progressed forward with the ball and I thought he's going to turn back and pass the book to somebody else he's, he's, he's going nowhere he's, he's not looking progressive and then he decided to put a, a forward pass in that went for a goal kick and it's like you know, might as well keep passing it backwards pal he just sucks the momentum out of any break we've got. 
that hospital ball that he played to Baldock in the first five minutes was just shocking. I mean, he yeah. should have shot. He had he had plenty of opportunity to get a good shot away. He'd got no one around him 25 yards from goal. Delayed and delayed and delayed and then played a pass short. It was just, he had so much time to do the right thing and did the wrong thing three times. It was just bizarre. He just, that's the thing when we talked about players we'd want to see coming into the club in the last pod. Just need to move the ball forward quicker and it's, it's funny because at the start of the season and I think after January he put in a few decent performances mm. Dan you're a massive advocate of his ability to arrive and contribute goals he's almost that scared of us losing it himself that he stopped actually getting himself in any positions to contribute that way yeah that, that, he doesn't get in the box if, if you take that if you take that box to box element out of his game or if sorry if that box to box element of his game isn't there at the minute because he's out of form or he's not trying whatever the reason is then losing that, that, that probably negates 80% of his game you know he's not he's not particularly quick he's not particularly skillful he's there to you know to, to pick the ball up on the edge of his own box drive forward with it play it wide and be the one on the edge of the cross that's coming in for, for, you know for a chance from the edge of the box if he's not doing that then I agree he's, he's not he doesn't contribute contributes very little and he actually he actually hamstrings us in the way he slows the game down and takes the sting out and takes the momentum out of what we do. Can I, can I just can I just throw one of the positive performance in there? And and I know you'll get the credit for, for the goal. I thought anything good about us last night was through Didzy. I mean technically just a superb footballer. You could, I could watch him, the way he controls the ball, the way he tries to create space for himself, doesn't always come off. He hasn't always got the options around him, but he always looks, his first touch is a space creational every time. And that was last night, so apparent. Find space, play a ball. I, 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 I just love it. I, I've said before, in, in my whatever it is, he's the best forward I've seen at United. Not, not the best striker. I'm making a differentiation between forward and striker, but he's the best forward. I've seen it, you know, in terms of an all-round, all-round footballer. For the goal, he plays the ball into Baldock from near the halfway line. Lundstrom drives it forward. I know that goes against everything we've just saying. Footballs oh. to, to midfield, cuts it back, and then it ends up at McGoldrick, who plays it into Baldock and then gets at the back stick. After he sat that kid down, yeah, after, after he sat, that, after he sat that Villa player on his arse, was it the uh, Ramsey, the young lad? That he did? No, it was Traore, wasn't it? I thought it was marvellous. What's his name? I might have been. I mean, I don't want anything bad said about Marvellous. What a name! Simply you just wish Goldrick was five years younger, don't you? Because yeah. we we know that we've not gone much longer to watch him, and he's just a joy. We, I mean, we've we've waxed lyrical about him on this pod plenty of times before, but he's just a joy to watch, isn't he? Absolutely, and, and it'll. Although he didn't score that entire game and experience last night, will have done um, done boost to the world of good. And the more he plays with a player like McGoldrick, will only improve him. I do agree with you, Ian. I doubt how he fits in the system, but the system will evolve over the summer, not necessarily changing, but the way players work in it, depending on recruitment, won't it? So we, you'd like to think that part of that evolution is. Any record signing, getting him in the team and getting the ball to him. The people are saying he hasn't touched the ball, but 
Villa, Villa, everyone, the best thing about the, the win is that's against a very, very, it's against a comfortable top 10 side, that win. It's the yeah. first time, apart from my, well, we've only won four games, but we've actually beat two of the better sides in the league now. So the finish for the goal is phenomenal. So difficult. Falling the adjustment. Up. The adjustment to his body shape and falling away and yeah. So one thing we haven't talked about is uh those three letters which keep coming up. It's like you said just this evening, uh friend of the pod chops text. Scrap what I said. The worst thing I've ever seen is Fulham's thing. And Phil rightly replied, we say this after every game now. It's just VAR is ruining everything. And the worst thing about that one for me last night is they do, they're not they're not going bonkers, the Villa players. They're not demanding it's looked at. They're not like this is a real injustice. And then that happens. Did you hear Wilder's interview? Did he, he alluded to the fact I think someone on the Villa bench was kicking off about it. And I think that might have had some sort of bearing on the way that it went, which is interesting, isn't it? Because he was saying about Villa can't really complain about decisions they've had against us over the last three games. Yet yeah. one of the bench, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he kind of he implied it was one of their bench that was kicking off about it. Well, you've got Terry trying to get into into someone's wife, and then you've got chuffing Craig Shakespeare there, who's an odious man. <laughs> Friend of Sam Allardyce. The thing is, we've just said about VAR spoiling, and I've I've put something on Twitter today that we need, referees are almost hiding behind VAR, like it's some sort of sentient system that's making a decision, or or or, a, or it's a system that's making an un, an incontrovertible decision, like Hawkeye, in or out, you know, missing leg stump, hitting leg stump, that that sort of thing. It's not. It's another referee with a monitor. That's what it is. It's not a system. VAR is just another guy. It's just the same. It could essentially be the same guy that's on the pitch, but he's just 150 miles away in a bunker somewhere. So it's not the system that's wrong. It's the bloke who's implementing it that's wrong. It comes back to the application. and, and So, for instance, take the Fulham incident tonight. It's hit his, his hands down by his side. It's hit him on his arm. Can't do anything about it. But the application of the law that VAR's playing is that it's accidental handball, attacking player, that's boom, no goal. So in some ways, it's the laws that have been applied alongside VAR that VAR had scrutiny to that's the problem. And then you've got the application by the individuals. So last night, how can when, um, was, it, was it David Coote, the referee last night? No, it wasn't Coote. It was, um, no, it was the other, uh, I forgot his name now. Is it Jones? Yeah. So when he's when he's following the ball through, when he's following the play through, he's at a reasonable distance looking ahead of him. The tackle happens in front of him and he's got a clear view at the pace at which people are moving at, at Bryant, at Baldock. He then goes to a monitor because his pal Graham Scott, who was the VARF at Villa Park last season, funnily enough, is watching it in slow motion and replaying it in slow motion, a tackle. Why would we need to see the tackle in slow motion? It's either a yellow, it's either a tackle, uh, you know, if it's, a, it's either a book, booking or a red card, depending on where other players are. 
the thing what, is, like you, say, you, don't, you don't need to see the tackle. The tackle's a foul. There's, there's no exactly. question about it. It's a foul. It's a free kick. No problem. So don't slow it down to see where players are on the pitch because you've got no idea from that the pace at which players are moving at. Yep. And actually, his, his touch his, his touch wasn't taken him towards goal, I don't think. Well, it, hit, it actually hits him on the back. So yeah. as he's running through, the ball hits Al Ghazi on the back. And as Jagielka's coming towards him, he actually knocks it inside. So he knocks it towards Brian. Yeah. Now, this, you're right. I don't think Brian would have got to the ball before Al Ghazi. I don't think that's in question. The fact is, was it a was it a, a definite goal scoring opportunity? And did the referee make a clear and obvious mistake in booking Jagielka? And I don't see how anybody can argue that. They asked Peter Walton after the game, apart <laughs> from the fact he, he visibly had to kind of consider himself before answering it, almost as if he had, it, it was like a rehearsed answer. They then threw him with the the um, clear and obvious question and he just waffled a load of bullshit. It was ridiculous. The problem you've got, the refs aren't, it's almost like, a, it's become like a little closed shop. So you've got a referee makes a mistake on a pitch who is then backed up or, or, or you've then got the VAR referee who either compounds that mistake or... or or confirms it, and then you've got the PGMOL who will never ever criticise their own their own their own men. They never they never um, sanction their own their own members. Like last week, Lee Mason makes that absolute howl, and instead of the PGMOL coming out and saying, like Wilder might say, if Wilder might say, look, Aaron Ramsdale's had a stink of the last four games. He's been dropped. You've got standards have got to improve. He's got to get better. So instead of the PGMOL coming out and saying. Uh, Lee Mason's been dropped. He's been stood down this week because that wasn't acceptable. He's got a blah, blah, blah. They say, oh, he's injured. They cover his arse. And then Peter Walton and, and Dermot Gallagher come out and they refuse to condemn any of the colleagues. They always back the colleagues. Referees have almost, they're not answerable to anyone. And it's almost like some sort of, well, you're gonna, you might take this the wrong way, but they're almost worse than goalkeepers now in terms of you can't say anything about them. If you say anything about any goalkeeper ever, everyone who's ever pulled on a pair of gloves goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, it's the same with referees. Anyone criticises a ref, every ref at any level, whether it's Sunday League, whether it's professional, whether it's retired, they all go, no, right decision, end of. It's become like a, a load of cronies, to, uh, uh, you know, cronies closed shop where you can't criticise them. Part, part of the problem is who they report to. They report to a referee. Right, right. It was a bloody awful referee at that. Yeah, exactly. If they were reporting to, and I can't stand the bloke, Sam Allardyce, if he was in charge of the referees, someone who's played the game, someone who's managed the game, someone who gets the game from that perspective, and the referees had to answer to someone like that, I think there'd be a different approach. There'd be a different mentality and there'd be a different way about it. Or a panel. Yeah. So rather rather than having a referee or a manager, have, have, a, have a panel of a referee, a former manager, a former player, a former chairman, whatever it is. So you've got a bit of input from everyone. I mean, what do we all sit down at work and have every year? An appraisal, don't we? We talk about how we performed at work. Now, when that happens, with a bunch of referees go, oh, yeah, it was a dodgy one, that, but VAR, you know, Michael helped you out on the VAR that night, didn't he? And it was a tough call, but you made the right decision and the rules of the game. And then they all gather around the rule book and they all get very happy indeed. 
woundy wow. It, it's 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 like becoming more of a closed shop and like the disconnect and like not a United thing, but like you were talking about um, like do you see the interview with Steven Gerrard last night? No, it was on Twitter. It, but the referee had basically, basically uh, the, the striker for Rangers. Morelos. Morelos has scored. Uh, not scored. He got booked for diving, and it's a clear right and the replay. It's a it's a clear foul. And Gerard says, "Well, the ref said he's going to speak to me about it inside, but he's not, is he? Because he's in a different stand, so he's just lying, and nothing will happen, and nothing will be done about it." And then they said, "Oh, what are you thinking about? Uh, is he all right? Is he worried about getting a reputation?" And Gerard said, "I won't worry about him. He's got his shirt off, dancing to Sweet Caroline in changing room, but it still shouldn't be happening." <laughs> Um, but like in, in all seriousness like it, like it's just become it's like the doubling down on their incompetence isn't it with the so yeah in any line of work if you add sort of extra scrutiny the suggestion is that the process is improved because it's got more scrutiny but if the scrutiny that's happening is from somebody of equal standing in the same interest it's not scrutiny at all it just strengthens the first decision or allows the first decision when it's wrong to be sort of twisted in the way that suits those two parties. And it's like part politics, isn't it? People oh, from within the same party are unlikely to ever criticise someone from their own. It just doesn't It's going to talk the party line, aren't you? Exactly. Do you know what pissed me off more than anything about the whole thing yesterday? was when they asked Joe Cole about it, and I can't remember, is it Karen? What was it? Carney. Karen Carney, that's it. And all Joe Cole wanted to talk about was Ethan Ampadu being out of position. And if Ethan Ampadu hadn't been out of position, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. That's not what you were asked. You were asked whether it was a sending off or not. Joe Cole was obsessed. What Joe Cole had done, bless him, is he'd done some research on Sheffield United and he was desperate to get across this idea that he'd come up with from the clips he'd watched. Because he expected us to lose 2 or 3 nil. that um, when you have three at the back, this is one of the problems and it gets exposed when you play against wide players and a good striker like Watkins. That didn't happen. So we had to start trying to shoehorn that in. Kept saying, he goes, well, that sometimes happens when you play three at the back. He was like, all right, Joe, we get it. Like, and also, he's just not very bright, isn't he, Joe Cole? That's the, that's the, the other issue with the, uh, with the whole process. But uh, we're a little short on time tonight, boys. So, Without trying about VAR, we'd all agree it was an absolute load of points that decision last night. And um, leave quickly, while, while we finish off about VAR, one last thing. I've just checked one of the one of the WhatsApp groups, and our Sam has just said that's the worst offside decision I've ever seen. So, yeah. my point earlier, we've now seen two of the worst decisions ever today. Yeah. Anyway, and carry on. It's Ver- Werner's uh, Werner had scored against Liverpool, and it's been disallowed. In, um, in terms of the sending off, the real impact will be probably seen on Saturday. So about half past eight last night, I opened my Instagram account to see that Ollie McBurney had posted a picture on his story of Yastan with the phrase, I'm ready. <laughs> Which is, he divides a lot of opinion, McBurney, but I generally don't think he takes himself too seriously. And... He's probably better in the air than Ampadu and Brian. Uh, I'd be terrified of Oliver Burnie playing centre half. Can you imagine? I think I'd like it 
until it was happening in front of my eyes. <laughs> from two <laughs> o'clock till two, from two o'clock to three on Saturday, I think it'd be the greatest thing that had ever happened. Uh, there's someone else with a shaved head and a beard. It's probably got to be in front of the queue. I would have thought. Looking have at the boat, screen, have boats will travel. <laughs> It's not, I mean, you could jog down to Lane for warm up now. Could you? Yeah, yeah, that can be pretty much. In, but, in all seriousness, it's it's got to be the it's got to be four four two, hasn't it? Well, the only thing I think he'll do is he'll stick with the system. He'll shuffle Ampadu across, and I think you might end up seeing, like you said, the week from you might end up seeing Baldock right centre off. Assuming um, Bogle's fit. Assuming Bogle's fit. Oh. Or would you see Stevens? No, you, you couldn't play Brian in the middle of the three. Yeah, but... you wouldn't want to see Brian sitting in the middle of them three, would you? But give it all we just said about Brian before, but yeah, not in the middle of the three at the minute. You can, just, but we can like Keane Brian without now thinking he's the best defender at the club and, and give him a five-year contract. He's doing really well and I hope he continues to the ex- end of the season. But He's doing all right, but he's not Barese just yet. <laughs> I mean, realistically... Realistically, even though we won last night, we're still down. Yeah. You, you could put one of Youngman's in. Um, what's his name? The young lad, Kyron Gordon. Yeah, yeah Gordon's a central. He's a central centre half as well. Been in, been in this, been in the squad and been on bench a few times. Maybe that's where you, you put him in. Well, let's be honest. I didn't realise this until I looked earlier. Southampton have got one point out of the last eight league games. Yeah. What I look at Saturday right. is an opportunity. Nailed on. <laughs> What I look at Saturday as an opportunity for is um, hopefully to build the touch of momentum before the FA Cup game. I think, like Dan says, we pretty much are down, but like we can get if we can if we can put a little run together before that FA Cup game, and you know go balls to the wall to win that to get Wilder and these players a trip to Wembley that we have to watch on TV. Um, but you know, like I think that that's a, that's a possibility. Southampton have been in woeful form since they got well. In, in they got spanked, didn't they? And it's they were. It's weird, like the Premier League season, because Liverpool on New Year's Day were top of the league, which is mental. And Southampton that's horrific. Third. Yeah, something like that. But so, I mean, Southampton. I think they've won that one cup game in that run since January. Mid Jan, mid end of January. Um, Arsenal, didn't they? So they've got one cut win in that time and then one point away. At the point. We're down, like like Dan's just said. I don't think there's I don't there's any debate in that we're down. But we win at the weekend and Newcastle don't. That's nine points with how many games left? Fourteen? A bit less than that, isn't it? Well, eleven. 12, be eleven. 11. After 10 after the weekend, it was 12 last night, Saturday's 11, so it'd be 10 left. Right. So, yeah, we're down. Brighton teetering as well, but I just think it's too little too late. We've we've played 27, so we've got 11 left. 11 left. We've got to to win seven or eight games, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice, but... I, I, I like I like it was it was one of these where you actually needed a video uh, vlog then just to see the look on everyone's faces when you said that. I thought there was more games left. To be fair, I thought there was fourteen. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, I mean, as in it was this kind of wry look of a 
Oh, we can all drink, can't we? Every, everyone, <laughs> I looked across everyone's faces as you made that comment. Everyone just kind of went, there was a kind of little nod and go, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, 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 I'm, I'm sounding, no, we can't, but I think we could get something on Saturday. And I'm going to say, um, as we head towards the end of this pod, because it's obviously a short and sweet one tonight, um, I'm going to say we're going to win 2-0 on Saturday. That would have been my prediction too, John. 2-0 United. 2-1 United. And I'm with Dan, 2-1 United. But that's got to be a first this season. All house. Four of us thinking we're going to win. <laughs> so, guys, licence to print money. What you need to do is go to www.williamhill.com and pile on Southampton. <laughs> uh, the cursed cursed blessing of the four blades but uh, we'll hopefully get back to talk about that game next week and um, we've got an idea for a little bit of a special we're going to have a special guest and talk about something uh, which has been quite uh, prevalent in the game over the last 12 months and wider society I think it'd be really interesting different podcasts to break things up but short and sweet it was nice to win we need to win eight games we're probably not going to but you know, we've been getting down a lot this season, so there's no shame we're getting high occasionally, is there? So, as always, boys, up the blades. Up the blades. blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, right. Well, I'll take Peroni as well.